three main values. Every moment is a PR moment. Everyone deserves respect and honesty and always under promise and over deliver. Okay. Yeah. You know, because if you can live by those three main values, you're, they're all kind of connected by under promising and over delivering. You're also showing someone respect. Welcome to the Heart of Fauquier podcast. Here you'll learn the stories and tips from local business leaders and entrepreneurs who make up the heart of the community. Discover what makes Fauquier so wonderful and be inspired by the journey of local success stories. Now let's join Austin, owner of Bedrosian Cleaning Services, as we hear from today's special guest. Welcome to today's episode of The Heart of Fauquier. Today I'm here with Lynn Bell, um, and we're excited to talk about her past here in the county and with business and also uh, something new she's been launching uh, just this year in the last uh, couple months uh, that we're excited to talk about. Um, but just to get started for our viewers, I think a lot of people might know who you are, um, but just to say a little bit about uh, who you are, um, maybe a little bit about your past experience with business, and then we'll uh, go from there. Great, great. Thanks, Austin. This is a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I came to Fauquier in 2002 when I started working as the head of school at Midland Christian Academy. Okay. And I was there eight years, got to meet a number of great people in that area and uh, work with some people who were already movers and shakers at that time. And then after Midland Christian Academy, I spent a little bit of time at another local nonprofit that uh, was really focused on the arts, helped them go through some, some changes that they desired to go through at that time. Yeah. And then in 2014, I came over to the Boys and Girls Club in August of 2014, and I served as their CEO for six and a half years and re recently finished that service and was excited to go on to uh, open my own business in Next Level Development. Very cool, very cool. So in all of those roles, you are pretty administrative. Is that maybe the word that you'd use for each of those roles? Or what was the main thing that you did for each of those organizations? So each of those organizations, it was all organizational leadership at its highest level, but it evolved from the beginning of the service to each organization to the end of the service of each organization. And when I came in, each organization was hungry to grow. Yeah. And I know at Midland Christian Academy, we were serving a small number of kids at that time. I believe it was about 41 kids. And then by 2008, we were serving 132 kids and we had added another building. Oh, wow. And added, we went from, I think it was five teachers at that time to at the highest point, I believe we had 32, 32 teachers. Most were part-time, but many were full-time. Yeah. And uh, that way we were able to offer a full curriculum for preschool through eighth grade. Okay. Um, the same thing with the Boys and Girls Club. When I came into the Boys and Girls Club in 2014, um, the Boys and Girls Club had just gone through a massive capital campaign and was struggling to put a plan in place to continue to exist. They had actually had plans to potentially close. I wrote a plan to close it at that time. And then, um, they wanted to find a way to get out from under about $1.4 million in debt as well. Wow. So there was, there was a lot, but I, when I came in, I really believed a great deal in the work that the Boys and Girls Club does to help all children, but especially those who need us most, become caring, productive, and responsible citizens. The mm -hmm. mission still rolls off my tongue. <laughs> um, but 
there were a lot of obstacles to overcome. Anyway, through the six and a half years there, we managed to find a way to get out from under the debt. We had some great leadership come through, build a really strong staff, a strong program. Uh, we won some awards for our STEM programming, specifically in Girls Who Code. Mm -hmm. And um, we also won some recognition for our social emotional learning as well. And then as we just reached into the time period of the pandemic, we had ventured into um, more intentional social, emotional, and mental, mental health because for many of the kids that we serve, there are there's a lot of trauma that many of them experience, unfortunately. And trauma can be measured right. on varied levels. But for many of these kids, they need to learn how to deal with that and become more resilient. And mm -hmm. so we heard during the pandemic a lot about building resilience and not only for individuals, but for businesses. Right. And so it, this new business had actually been on my heart for a couple of years. I even envisioned the logo in my head about two years ago and I put it down on paper and was able to, um, put a business plan together and really outline pretty much everything I had done at the organizations, the three organizations that I led in the last 15 years. And then actually I spent 14 years prior to that in college prep schools, private college prep schools. Okay. And although it wasn't at the highest leadership level, I was in administrative roles at each of those as the director of admissions, I mean, uh, sorry, the director of activities at a school in upstate New York. And then I was the director of residences at the Foxcroft School. And uh, then my avocation through the years has been with horses. So I always um, create analogies between building a relationship with a horse mm -hmm. and managing that relationship with a nonverbal 1300 pound animal yeah. <laughs> to managing an organization, you know, because there are so many parts and there are so many instincts that a horse has as a, pre as a prey animal, something that is hunted by other animals. And in the same way, the idea that um, organizations can have obstacles and threats to them as well. And you need to be wholly aware while continuing to look where you're going. You can't right. really take the time to look down. Yeah. And so that's really how Next Level Development evolved was so that I could take all of the things that I had learned in the 15 years of organizational leadership and the other 10 to 15 years of, of being in nonprofit education, private education, building programming, building organizations, building infrastructure, and be able to share that with other organizations who are in need of that sort of organizational infrastructure, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got where I am now in opening this business. Um, there's a book by Michael Gerber, The, the E-Myth, mm -hmm. and it uses the example, I think when you and I met the day at, uh, at Grillways, yeah. we, uh, I might have mentioned it at that point, but the book references that entrepreneurial myth or that E-Myth that is based around the fact that you might have a wonderful baker, someone that knows how to create great pies, cookies, cakes, and that person dreams of creating his or her own bakery. Yeah. That person has the skill set in creating the great product, but there's all that other business management that the person probably doesn't have experience in. They might have experience in one or two parts of it, but not all of it. 
that doesn't take away from the wonderful product and the passion that they have for that product, but you still have to deal with customers, employees, yeah. management, how you handle your money, making sure that you're safe, there's risk management. And that's kind of a hard sell because that's not the sexy part of running a business, <laughs> no, you know? Yeah. But everybody needs it. Everybody needs to have that organizational and pol policy infrastructure in place so that their business can remain sustainable, can remain impactful. Mm -hmm. You can still provide the highest quality, put the right people in the right places to do the best work, develop people internally, create a succession plan. You know, a lot of people don't think about that. Oh, I'm running my business now and I want to grow my business to X. Have you thought about what happens when you're not there? <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot That's of people true. don't think that through. And as well, sometimes they write themselves so tightly into the business that they don't think about there might be a time in their life when they want to spend more time with their families right. or travel or retire yeah. or whatever it or is. Or if something happens to them, exactly. you know, God forbid. You know. Exactly. That's exactly right. So having sort of that, you could call it a crisis management plan, but maybe a crisis succession plan. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's really what um, inspired me to open this new business is seeing how many businesses, nonprofit and for-profit, are in that situation where they're living their dream, they're living their passion, they're living their vision, but there's still a lot of foundational support that will make their business more sustainable and stable and help them really live the life that they want to live and yeah. do the work that they want to live because everything else is set up for the business. Right. So that's what- Less stressful. <laughs> yeah, that's what my business yeah. is, is coming in and helping them build that infrastructure yeah. so that they can really have a plan in place to know where they're going. Yeah. And get to that next level, like you were just saying. Exactly, yeah. boom, you yeah. know the tagline. Yeah, exactly. yeah. well done, Austin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah very cool. Because a lot of those people, like you said, you know, as someone who makes cakes and wants a bakery, they, they get capped out pretty quickly mm -hmm. um, and they can't go to that next level. So it's frustrating, but they're doing what they love. And it's kind of like that very common mindset where you'll have someone who's self-employed and does really well, mm -hmm. but they're just consumed by their business and they almost don't enjoy it half mm -hmm. the time because of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's stressful and um, maybe the vision is a little fuzzy or they don't know how to get there and it's just frustrating. So mm -hmm. yeah, someone to come in and clarify that and get them to the next level with the not fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's not the sexy stuff out front, mm -hmm. like making the cake, I guess is the great example yep. we're using, but it's the sitting in the office and thinking and being Excel. And, <laughs> and needing the white space to do mm -hmm. that. You know, yeah. what are my values as a company leader, as an organizational yeah. leader? What are my values? Mm -hmm. And some of those, I visited a business today that is growing and they're really evolving their business from more personalized homeowner service to more corporate service. And they're struggling with the change. You know, they're struggling with getting to that next level yeah. because it's hard to hire people right now. Some of it is because of us coming out of the pandemic and still having all the unemployment benefits that are out there. Mm -hmm. and, this is a very competitive market. And even though for certain service industries, you wouldn't think that that's a high paying job, but those are pretty well paying jobs because for us, those are quality of life positions. Mm -hmm. 
every value system that we have for having a neat and tidy lawn, a neat and tidy house, a car that works, hmm. electric electricity that works, plumbing that works, that's a quality of life. Right. And so those businesses are hugely important right now. And I think there's a cultural shift that's happening that's really understanding the value of those businesses even more. That being said, whether it's um, running a landscaping business, running an auto repair shop, it's becoming more and more in demand. It's mm -hmm. harder and harder to hire people for those positions because we've not emphasized the importance of those professions historically. One trend that I think is very positive, and this kind of is anecdotal, but um, after being in private education for so many years, it always seemed like the main goal of getting kids through high school was so that they could get to a four-year college. Exactly, yeah. yeah. What if the kid doesn't want to go to a four-year college? What if they want to be a machinist? Right. What if they want to build robotics? I mean, you could go to a four-year college for that, but there's a lot of stuff that they can do that really has more to do with the craft of the machinery pieces, being able to design them, being able to design the machines that make them, yeah. that is not necessarily a four-year degree requirement. Those people that want to be in, in HVAC professionals, plumbing professionals, electrical professionals, just installations in the construction business here, those are very well-paid jobs right. and they're very much in demand. Mm -hmm heavy highway or heavy equipment operations. How do you think we get roads built? You know, <laughs> how do we get foundations built? Um, anyway, I think now it's changing and we are prioritizing as our economy sort of shifts, our priorities are starting to shift a little bit and we're starting to see these are quality of life positions. They're good quality of life for the people who enter into them and it's a good quality of life for the people whose the servicing. service is provided yeah. to, yep. yes. And that's really important. That is really important. And so why not celebrate and encourage young people to go for the profession that they feel most drawn to? You know, it might not be a four-year college. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Just as a perfect example, I have a degree <laughs> in opera. Wow, okay. Right? right. Wow. How on earth did I ever... That's how you got into the administrative positions and CEO positions, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who would have thought that, right? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. My life dream was not to be a nonprofit professional. I landed there and yeah. made the best of it that I could, you know, made the most of it. But my dream was actually to be a professional singer hmm. and a professional horse trainer and rider. That was my life dream. I did a little bit of each of those. I still do a little bit of those. Yeah. Um, but that's just an example of about how also our mindset changes about what we're passionate about. And right. so everybody deserves the opportunity to see, succeed in that role. And I'm hoping that Next Level Development can help some of those people either grow their businesses or establish new businesses or establish new nonprofits, grow their nonprofits, whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway. That's, that's cool. what I get excited about. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned, you know, about uh, trades and everything being more of a, a culture shift towards those things. 
Um, Because that recently came up in another episode we had in the last month or so uh, with Genesis Home Improvement. Ah. Because they're kind of saying the same thing. um, And they're trying to encourage that, obviously, because that's what they do. Um, But yeah, I I think I've seen that as well, because a lot of people my age and I guess all of my generation, the millennials, are kind of saying that their degrees didn't necessarily land them the job they wanted or they're in all this debt and trying to figure it out. And they're just thinking it through a little more than... Um, maybe the generation right before us that mm-hmm. it kind of worked for them, or at least they thought they did. Mm-hmm. They did for throughout their career. So yeah, I think that um, hearing another person say that is pretty interesting. How there is that shift, and it's not that one is better than the other. You know, it's not the other direction. It's just that they're both there. Yeah, and, and working is working. Right. You know, if you're, I joke about making sure that my shirt is dirty and my soul is clean. If I work, <laughs> I don't get in trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that that comment that, that you just made led me to another thought that, you know, in the 40s and 50s, 1940s and 50s, it was rare in our country that people, well, not rare, but it was less common that every child went to college. Mm-hmm. So it was a real badge of honor at that time to go to college. And so I think our culture stuck with that value system right? through at least, I'm gonna say we're, we've been solidly in it until at least 2010. Yeah. And I'm just gonna say, and this isn't anything scientific, it's just me kind of being in it and observing it. Yeah. Since 2010, just as a quantifiable date, um, I've really seen people go, hmm, now so many of us are going to college. I mean, do you know what the dropout rate for freshmen is? No, I'm not sure. 50%. Oh, wow. 50% of freshmen at college drop out before they finish. Why is that? Do they not feel like they can be successful? Do they decide they want to work? Do they decide college isn't for them? Is it a social thing? Are they not able to engage socially enough with other people in their age group? I I don't know, I'm just guessing, you know? But I think it's worth it for us as citizens to think about that Mm -hmm. and really think about how the trend is now showing. We've valued college for so long that we almost expected kids to go when really that wasn't the best place for them. And so now how do we continue to honor their potential as citizens, mm-hmm. you know, because our economy is changing. And now that we have so many people that are actually going to college, actually, it's interesting. I was just at another meeting last night. The average age of new college attendees now is, has gone up to 24 years old. Oh, Most college freshmen are waiting and going later, mm. which I don't think is a bad thing. No. But... Make sure they want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they want to work for a while. Maybe they want to take a little break. Maybe they want to be sure they know what they're going to college for Mm -hmm. if they go. Yeah. I think I think it's quite interesting, quite an interesting statement about our society and about how we're really looking at influencing the development of each individual citizen. Right, right. So with looking at your business that you're you're obviously I mean you've launched it now, you're you're in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Um do you think with the, the for-profit businesses that you're going to be helping, do you think you're going to see a lot of 20s and 30-year-olds that are wanting help from people like you um, that are in those trades or wanting to start 
their own business? Do you think that's going to be um, a big group of people that want your help? Or is it going to be, or is that not going to adjust things? What do you think? I don't know. So interesting on the, on the folks that I've talked to literally just in the last week, um, half of them are new ish. I'm going to say new in the business. So they're, I'm going to guess it's hard to age people sometimes, (laughs) but I'm going to guess that exactly half of them are younger, say less than 35 and half of them are over 35. Okay. So, and when I say the ones that are over 35, they are people who already have established businesses or established, even if it's a new business they're developing, they've established themselves in other businesses that have kind of evolved into this. Okay. But the people on the above 35 end, I'm being respectful of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, the people on that above 35 end are people who are already doing it. You know, they're rocking their businesses. One of them is looking at a new initiative. The other one is growing his business and really wants to feel like he's maintaining the same quality of service. And he's kind of... It might be too harsh to say he feels like he's lost control of the business as it's growing, but it's growing faster than he can really manage it. Right. Um, at least that he feels he can manage it. That's not right. my comment. That's his comment. And I, I respect that because yeah. I know exactly how that feels. And you, you still have to be willing to grow. You have to be willing to take, take chances, but you also want to provide a really quality product or service. So just based on that statistic of exactly half of them being younger and half of them being older than 35. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's just about new opportunities in general and maybe it doesn't really matter the age. I hadn't really thought about it from that way. Yeah, I'm not sure. It just, Mm -hmm. that whole topic came up. So I wasn't sure if that was maybe on your mind because of that change of Mm -hmm. who you're looking at helping. Okay. So would you, uh, would you label yourself now as a business coach or would you say it's something a little different from that? Well, there is a coaching, I am offering a coaching service as well. Okay. Um, but what I've really put together is kind of a, a blend of things. And uh, I'll give you just a quick example with one of, one of the clients that um, I've recently engaged. Um, they're looking at some basic organizational infrastructure, doing some training for some of their leadership, developing some clear processes in accounting, in how money is received, in how um, customers or donors are stewarded, you know, how you build those relationships, Mm -hmm. the plan that you build throughout the year, what activities do you need to do throughout the year? These are people that have a true heart for what they do but they've never run a business like that. So Mm -hmm. how do you continue to honor the people that you serve all year and that serve you and are your best clients, customers, and donors? Um, And so that's, we've got a three month package going on where I'm offering so many hours per month and it's in conjunction with them. So it does actually require a bit of their time too, but I'm gonna be asking them the questions that they don't even know to ask themselves, yeah. you know, because they just haven't been there yet. So often that's the problem, I think. You exactly. Know, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. So uh, as an option for that, because I believe there will be a transition, is to do so many hours of coaching over, say, a six-month period. It could be longer. could be longer term. I'm going to start with six months. 
but that's also an option too for organizations that maybe there's just they're just kind of struggling with certain leadership pieces maybe it's about understanding what their unique value is why is their business different from any other business and how how do they sell that why is that important mm -hmm. how do you frame everything you do around that unique value and what are the values that you yourself want to embody right. in that product or service that you're providing. A lot of folks haven't thought that through. They, they may have and not even realize that they have, but it's not institutionalized. It's not written down. Mm -hmm. It's not written down so that they can brand themselves that way yeah. or so that they can speak very intentionally about it with any potential clients or so that they can train their employees to understand that value system. Right. And so that sort of coaching will help guide them through that process because then I think it really keeps them focused on what they do best and what their true value is mm -hmm. and it makes them more efficient and more effective. They're gonna gain more customers with clarity than they are with <laughs> a lack of clarity. Right. Always you gain more customers with clarity than you do with a lack of clarity. We can do this, this, and this for you. And if there's something else you're interested in, let's have the conversation. But that's even gonna be true for how I run my business. This mm -hmm. is what I would like to do for you. These are some other suggestions that I have that we can add in later. Right. You know, but I want you to be comfortable with it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the blend. So there's a coaching arm but there's also some kind of packaging arm and how uh, I go through an interview process with them, look at their systems, build, for instance, an accounting policy and procedure for a company or a resource development plan. How do they raise the money or earn the money? Or maybe they're looking to buy a new building for a for-profit or a non-profit. How do you plan for that? How do you reinvest your money in your organization so that you can make the most about, out of it to achieve your vision? And so some of that is a little, I think it's really best accomplished with a little more intense, concentrated time. Right. Because if you spread it out, sometimes it gets diluted a little and mm -hmm. forgotten. And that way you can really get boots on the ground and have a plan in place and people can follow the plan. Then the follow-up coaching could help guide them yeah. through the follow-up plan. Does that make sense? It does. Mm -hmm. It does. I like that. And uh, I think you've mentioned it a couple times now um, with values. Um, so I think that's a really important thing um, in general, like in from what I've seen in business and just in life. And then you mentioning it a few times, um, I think it's really important for businesses. How do you think um, businesses come up with their values? How do you help people find those? Is it something um, you're like, oh, that looks good, or this sounds cool, or this applies to my business, or is there something about the business owner, like these are my values, and so this is how our company operates. How do you help people find out what their values are? Sometimes they say it without saying it. Mm -hmm. um, a business I visited today, actually two businesses I visited today, one of them embodied uh, such dignity for their clientele. That word was actually used when I asked her because when mm -hmm. I walked into the business, it's not something you would usually see for the type of business that they run. Okay. Um, and they just took so much pride. It really, they really wanted to elevate their clientele when they came into their facility by the presence of the facility. And I said, 
to me, your unique value is number one, the service that you provide, because no one else provides the service that you provide in this community that I know of, open to the public. Mm -hmm. And number two, that it's got this boutique kind of quality, you know, that it really elevates. She said, yeah, we wanted to give our, our customers a real dignity, give them, show them that they're respected and that they can come in and have a good experience. So that speaks to respect for everyone, in mm -hmm. my view, as a value. Respect, respect for everyone. Everyone deserves respect. So that, without really saying it, that's what they said yeah. by creating that environment. Um, another one is, you'll hear people say, we wanna create the highest quality product or service. Okay, that's good. I think all of us pretty much wanna do that. <laughs> yeah. So what really makes you different? What really makes you different? Um, another particular organization, when we drilled down into it in the interview, the person said, well, it's about us being able to, I don't want to divulge too much, but <laughs> us being able to provide a double end result where typically a person only gets a single result. Okay. And so, for instance, let's use an example of if you're going to college and you're working on a degree and you also have a minor and then you get to the end of it and your guidance counselor, if you've ever met with them, I know when I was in college, I think I met with the person once yeah. and then I don't recall ever meeting with them again. They weren't always very helpful. Well, there you go. Yeah, sorry. Um, but I know when I went through college, I, as a music major, it was different anyway, because you were required to take so many performance classes beyond what the basic requirement was. You still had to perform year to year, which meant you were accruing all these hours. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time, in my minor, which just happened to be English, um, I had taken many of these other English classes, and some of them as electives. Well, I get to the end, and I've got... I'm going to graduate with 183 hours, which in general, oh yeah, you're going to have lot. like 130, but this is the life of a music yeah. major uh, because you're required to take some of those performance classes every year. And I found out I was like five hours short of having a double major. Oh, goodness. Well, I would have planned a little sooner to take five more hours yeah. of English as it was. I just went another semester. But the only reason I did that was to get the double major, mm -hmm. you know? So I got more credits in music and more credits in English at the end. But having that plan so that you're really delivering two things at once intentionally mm -hmm. and you're working smarter, not harder, that's really what set this other organization apart. Okay. And so it wasn't just about quality. It was about intentional, individual, unique service, making sure, and as well, building a support system for them. That's something that a lot of other organizations that are like them didn't do, having like a cohort group that they could go through this process with. And uh, so that really set them apart. So that to me does speak of quality service instead of just generally saying, we wanna provide a quality service. Well, what is that? Yeah. You know, and why is that different from X company that does <laughs> the same else thing that, that you do? To, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's that's how we kind of drill down. And for me, I found that I pretty much live within three main values that I've written into not only my my personal plan, because I have a 
personal kind of living plan for myself, yeah. but my business plan, but I had also written it into the Boys and Girls Club operational plan too. Three main values. Every moment is a PR moment. Everyone deserves respect and honesty and always under promise and over deliver. Okay. Yeah. You know, because if you can live by those three main values, you're, they're all kind of connected by under promising and over delivering. You're also showing someone respect. Yeah. You're also embodying that PR moment, you know, by talking to someone on the street that you might not know who it is, but speaking respectfully to them and to all the people around you, that person might be your next best customer, mm -hmm. or it might be someone that has a passion for your nonprofit that might want to write you in their will. Yeah, that's true. You know, you never know. You never know who is listening. And so every moment is a PR moment. Of yeah. course, things like this, you know, but <laughs> a little more obvious, yeah. But it and then it becomes a part of you, becomes really authentic. Once you've developed and identified your own value system, it really becomes part of you. Mm -hmm. And for an organization, it becomes part of your authentic brand. Not just marketing but your authentic brand, the authentic organizational personality. That's right. what brand is. So yes, it's brand recognition. You know, might recognize the Bedrosian uh, cleaning services, right? right? Right. They might recognize that logo, but what does that mean when they see that? What do mm -hmm. people think? What do people feel when they see that? Right. Do they see you as a friend? Yeah. They. We think about, at least for me, I think about that when I, when I see a, a logo for any business that I see, I think about the people that I know mm -hmm. and how they make me feel, you know, when I'm with them. Yeah. Anyway. That's, that has a lot to do with how you feel. Yeah. Oh, for sure. always. How do you make your customers feel? Mm -hmm. And I mean that in the most respectful of ways, you know, how do you make your customers feel? How do you make your investors feel? How do you make your donors feel? Yeah. How do you make the general public feel? when you're out in public. Yeah, yeah, because there's those certain business names that you see on it's just like, oh, I really like that company, I like those people, or they give to this, or they're really involved in community, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you have some company brands and you're like, ugh, I didn't like it when I went there for this, or they made this decision and it impacted me in this way. And mm -hmm. it just, the feeling stays in your gut, you know, mm -hmm. whenever you see it, so, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, absolutely. Cool. And yeah, with uh, with finding the, the values for yourself and for your business, um, I think you mentioning being authentic about it and not just, oh, this sounds really cool and corporate, like people will like that. That's not really necessarily what you want, but something authentic and also, um, you said purposeful, and I think that's a lot of maybe what you do is just helping a business owner or a leader in a, com a company organization to just, hey, let's be purposeful about this looking forward and not just, you know, hamster on the wheel trying to do whatever comes at you mm -hmm. kind of thing, being purposeful. So That's exactly yeah. right. And even, even it, that purposefulness or that mission is going to be embodying in everything you do. Mm -hmm. So... Even your checkbook should reflect if we, people still don't really have checkbooks, but your accounting <laughs> system yeah. should still reflect what you believe in, whether it's you as an individual or whether it's your business. If you believe in respecting your staff, developing your staff, 
you're going to see expenditures on staffing, on staff training, staff development, staff appreciation. It's going to be embodied everywhere. Yeah. It will be embodied everywhere. Um, for me and my checkbook, you're going to see a lot of expenditures on animals, my horses, the cats, <laughs> you know, you're going to see that and, and on the business. Yeah. Those are the two big expenditures that you're going to see. Um, but that's true again for any business, anything that they prioritize, it's going to be reflected in their finances as well. And so sometimes it's good to take a good measured look at your marketing, your finances, your jobs, your clients, mm -hmm. do they all tell the same story? Mm. You know? A lot of people don't take the time to think about that either. Some yeah. of them don't want to because they're yeah. like, oh, but I like, you know. That's exactly I what I was going to say. Yeah, because you've mentioned accounting now quite a few times too. So values and accounting I've heard a few times. Um, and for those people who are like, that's not my strength. I'm not a numbers person. I just love what I do. And they're like, well, I just kind of outsource that. Or I look at it maybe at the end of the month sometimes. Um, have you seen a lot of pitfalls? with businesses maybe failing because of that? Like, how do you help people overcome that thought process of, oh, accounting's boring and not really my thing? Like, <laughs> Well, two, so that's kind of two different scenarios. Yeah. So in the nonprofit world, everything we do with our money is about integrity because you have to, you have to own it and you have to be able to be completely open. I mean, let's face it, you can go look up the financials of any nonprofit right. online, right? It's public information. Mm. And so, again, you want that to embody your mission. If you, if you have a service-related mission, your largest expenditure is going to be on people, your staffing. If you make sure that people have food, probably the larger, largest expenditure is going to be on food or delivery, delivering food. So it could be on the people or the food, but you know what I yeah. mean there? So, and that's why, I guess this has been 10 or so years ago, I can't remember what nonprofit was nationally, but somebody, somebody was called out for not spending money, as much money on their mission. They had these high administrative mm. costs that were not really mission related. Which you still have to be careful with too, because let's face it, let's just use something like, you know, a youth serving agency like the Boys and Girls Club. You have to have a building, so that's gonna cost you money. You've gotta have a building that's big enough to hold kids, yeah. you know, a good number of kids to make it worth your while. Heating, air conditioning, those are all kind of administrative costs, but you can't do without it. Yeah. You know, so really, those administrative costs are helping you achieve your mission because you can't do it without it in mm -hmm. that format. But it, for them also, it's about handling and accountability. You know, donors want to know. Every, every donor, when they give, in my opinion, they want to feel that sense of belonging that they invested in that agency and the good work that they do. Right. So they want to know where that money went. It doesn't have to be to the exact dollar to the child, you know, but at least to say, hey, we so appreciate your contribution. 
we use this is what we accomplished in the last month or you know put it in scale based on the amount of the donation this is this is the equivalent of what we're able to do with it with a donation like yours mm -hmm. and then give them something that's really quantifiable that can be appreciated um, from a business standpoint it's really about having a plan and knowing knowing kind of some benchmarks a baker is going to have a different sort of accounting model than a cleaning service, right? Right. Of course, yours is a service. It's going to be more focused on the people that you hire that do the work. Mm -hmm. But there's probably a good amount of materials and um, supplies that you're going yeah. to need too. Yeah. Um, a baker has a lot of stuff. Their core is what they're bringing in to make the product. goods with to yeah. send it out. All product. So, just having that in scale, and then making sure that there are some safety pieces put in appropriate. Uh, separation of duties important for for-profit and for nonprofit to protect yourself you know now it's obviously different if you're like a sole proprietor or an LLC that's like a single single manager mm -hmm. a single member but you, you should think about those things and so even for me embodying that that model you know how do I set up my own business that really is a model and I'm all about holistic models if I'm going to preach it, by golly, I'm going to say it. I'm yeah. going to be doing it myself, you know, in whatever form. Just because. And do I fall down sometimes? Yes, I'll sure. admit. I do. <laughs> but um, that that accounting piece, crucial for nonprofits and understanding how sometimes monies can't be mixed. You know, I've, I've seen some situations where... There was a for-profit arm that had an account that was tied to a non-profit arm, and you you don't want that. No, <laughs> you know it's got to yeah. be completely separate. Making sure that there's approval, there are approval mechanisms in place for how things get paid and who gets paid, and knowing who signs what, and you know even for for some for-profit businesses, understanding that. Yeah, a bookkeeper might cost you $25 or $50 an hour. But if that keeps you from working twice as long to do what that bookkeeper can do in half the time, mm -hmm. it gives you more time to go out and make more money on your business. And you've given that task to the bookkeeper who knows the work, who knows right. the, the details of the work and can do it more efficiently and effectively. And it protects you because that person is doing it. That's true. So having that kind of understanding of how, about how to invest the human assets that you have, as well as your fiscal assets, really helps to create conditions for successful organizations. Right, very cool. Well, we're almost out of time here, but I want to ask you one more uh, question about business first. Um, what is your, your driving why as to what you're doing with um, opening a business and wanting to help these other businesses that um, you've had experience in as, you know, a leader um, or nonprofits, like what's your driving force that made you really want to jump out and start something brand new? You're not even jumping into something to fix like you've done in the past. You're starting something, you know, completely brand new. What's your why for that? You know, I just, I actually just said it to a person who texted me today about something else and I didn't realize this was my why so succinctly. I knew I had this why, but I hadn't said it so succinctly. So my why is I really like to make rain. You know, I like to see people succeed. I like to see 
people succeed at things that they didn't know they could succeed at. Mm. And when you can help someone that is really willing to w work hard and do, do all the hard work and just needs that little extra edge of information or that little extra edge of, you've got this, you're doing the right stuff, Let, let's just build this plan and then you run with it, you know? Yeah. To me, that's making rain, you know? And um, I, I definitely think, I guess originally I got into education, not because I had a dream of getting into education, as I told you <laughs> earlier, but because I feel like every person, every human has an opportunity for greatness, divinely embedded in them. Right. You know? And so many of them don't even realize that greatness is there. And so for me to see a person achieve the dreams that they never thought were possible, even if they're small little dreams, right? That just lights me on fire yeah. you know that's that's making rain it makes rain for the person it makes rain for the community it helps them grow it helps them have confidence and um, that even kind of carries over in, into the horse stuff too every time that horse gets to the next level which is part of why I went to that next level you know that next level of training um, it's an aha moment when that person or that horse is like, oh, I can do this and look how awesome I am, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just like to make rain. That's my yeah. why. Very mm -hmm. cool. I like it. Um, and then one more question that's not business related. So uh, sometimes I like to ask people what their favorite thing to do is in this county in Fauquier. Um, what are some of your favorite events or things to do uh, here in the county, whether it's, you know, horse related or um, places to hang out with family or things to do. What are some of your favorite things to do in this area? Oh, wow. So as a lifelong equestrian, certainly hanging out with my horse family and being with the horses, my horses are right over in Catlett. So, okay. um, that's part of it, but I really love the good, uh, brew scene and, um, have great fun things like the spring festival and, I enjoy the chamber events. You know, the chamber's been close to my heart for the for years. And um, yes, I'm going to be joining Carlton if you see this. Um, <laughs> I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, but it's only been a month. Come on now. Right. Um, and let's see, the Remington Festival. I love going to the, and hopefully we'll have it this year, supporting like the Remington Fire Volunteer Fire Department at their Shrimp and Oyster Fest and the chicken dinners that they do those things that really speak to community. Those are the things that I love to do. The okay. scene up at Barrel Oak, my friend Brian, he's awesome. Um, yeah, so there's a lot. It's it's really about the relationships. Anything anything that, that I can go to in the community that is is really embodies all the relationships that we have here. Yeah. That's what that's what I like to do. Very cool. Yeah, and then, then the last year I guess it's been a little lower, but I think it's gonna explode here in the next year or so I think everybody's, everything's starting. Yeah, and yeah. Let's get out. Everyone's ready. So uh -huh. we're gonna see all this stuff coming back if it's not already. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Um, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with me and hopefully people can understand what you're starting here and uh, go to you for some help. Um, so it's Next Level Development is the name of the business. Yeah. Uh, where, where can they find more information about you or to contact you? 
So next level development, the website is www.nextleveldev.net. So nextleveldev.net. And my email is on there, my phone information, feel free to give me a call, but the information about the services we provide is there. There's a contact Lynn Now button. I've put them everywhere on there. <laughs> so you can see something, oh, that lit a fire in me. I'm gonna contact yeah. Lynn now. Yeah, so nextleveldev.net. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very needed service, especially right now coming out of this crazy year. Some businesses are you know, growing like crazy and need help, and some people are struggling and need help. So yep. hopefully you can get out there and help a lot of different people. So, yep, take them to the next level. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Heart of Fauquier. If you loved joining us today, give this podcast a great review and subscribe to keep up with new episodes. If you have an office in Fauquier that needs a cleaning service, reach out to Bedrosian Cleaning Services and see how they can serve you. Until next time, thanks for listening.